The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hey there. We're coming off a big weekend. The Scott White Dynasty League salary cap draft is in the books. Spring training has begun. And apparently I started the Saturday mailbag by saying the date was September 27th. It's only March and I'm already losing my mind. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, and welcome to part three of our starting pitcher preview for 2021. Calling a little audible here, as we were originally supposed to do our relief pitcher preview today, but seeing as how we have so many starting pitchers left to talk about, we didn't want to jip you guys. We want to give you guys the full experience for starting pitchers. So we're going to talk about, hopefully, like 40 more starting pitchers today, and I think that would Pretty much put a put a bow on the starting p- pitcher position. Frank Stanfield, joined as always by Scott White and Chris Towers. How was the weekend, guys? Big weekend. We're going to, by the end of starting pitcher preview part three, we're going to have talked about like 45, maybe 47 players. Yeah. So, very excited about it. How much you want to bet tomorrow's podcast is starting pitcher preview starting part, pitcher part four? four. <laughs> I, you know, it's been good discussions. So, I, I hope the people are are enjoying it. I could do 20 starting pitcher previews. <laughs> we I might, could do 100. I love it. We, we might have to. One, one per pitcher. Scott, did My you... weekend was fine, Frank. How was your weekend? How, how was your first experience in this, with, the, with the Scott White Dynasty League? Not very good. And, and it wasn't, you know, because of you or the way the league is set up. Just, you know, spending $48 on David Price is never really a good thing. It's a 24-team dynasty league, so nobody yeah. feels good about the draft. Yeah, like, and obviously... Out of the draft thinking, man, I got some real values there. And obviously, you know, all these bargain players being kept at lower salaries yeah, uh, creates for massive inflation in the free agent market because only a tiny percentage of the player pool is available. Um, and anyone worth a darn gets paid a lot. They really looking lot, forward Frank. to it. Really looking forward to my keeper decision on my $81 Mike Trout for next season. Yeah, Chris, the big spender, went up and got Mike Trout. Uh, yeah, so starting pitchers in, in this league, they go for a lot of money. Corey Kluber went for like 50 bucks. Dallas Keiko went for 45 so I figured I'd jump in and, and get the old David Price, who we'll talk about at some point today. But um, yeah, part three, more ADP. We'll hit on some prospects towards the end of this podcast as well, but let's jump right in. We left off right around... Rounds 11 and 12, um, and those pitchers that we left off on were Sixto Sanchez at pick 128, Joe Musgrove, my boy, at pick 132, and Pablo Lopez at pick 137. 
Two of these three pitchers are actually in my breakout column. Breakouts 2.0, which you can find over on the site. The only one that is not is Sixto Sanchez, who Chris... Unbelievable. What a hater. Who you have as a breakout, so tell us why. Yeah, he's an interesting case because I think the most likely outcome, and I keep comparing pitchers to this guy, but like he's very Kyle Hendricksy. He throws 12 miles per hour harder than Kyle Hendricks, but you know Sixto Sanchez... In the brief time that we saw him in the majors, uh, was not a great strikeout pitcher. And, you know, based on the minor league track record, that's to be expected. But he had really good control. And uh, as I've talked about with a lot of other pitchers, he did a really good job of limiting quality of contact. And in his case, that very much was a thing in his minor league career. Never posted the kind of strikeout rates you want to see from a guy uh, who's as touted as he is and, and who has as good stuff that he does, 7.9 per nine. But 1.7 walks per nine in the minors, 0.2 home runs per nine in the minors. He gave up nine home runs in 335 uh, innings and only 7.5 hits per nine. Now, obviously, I don't think he's going to only allow 7.5 hits per nine in the majors. He'll give up more than 0.2 home runs per nine, probably walk more than 1.7 per nine. But all of those things that he did in the minors, he did in the majors. He is, I, I think, a relatively safe uh, pitcher who does, I think, obviously have upside. If he figures something out with his, I don't know if it's the pitch mix or the fastball location, um, but you know there is the potential for him to turn into a Jose Barrios-esque uh strikeout pitcher, you know, maybe closer to one per nine than what he's been or what, or what Kyle Hendricks has been, in which case I think the profile takes another step forward. But even if he doesn't, I don't think you're going to be disappointed in six. I think, I think you might be shortchanging the upside there. Um, sure. I mean, it's not, it's not far off from Jose Barrios strikeout potential now. Yeah. The, and, the, and the raw stuff just seems like it should get so many more strikeouts than it does. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think Sixto Sanchez has shown he's perfectly fine as he is. Elite strike thrower, great ground balls. I mean, those are two of the three legs of the FIP triangle, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if he figures out how to strike guys out with that raw stuff, he's got plenty of time to do it. He's only 21, I think, 22. Yeah, 22. And you're talking about a real stud, potentially. Yeah, and, you know, the changeup, I think, was better than expected. As a rookie, uh, that was his actually most used pitch, followed by the sinker and four seamer. So he could be someone who gets the changeup usage to thirty percent from from twenty seven or thirty three percent, gets the slider usage up to like twenty to twenty five percent, and all of a sudden the better swing and miss pitches are a bigger part of his repertoire. And um, you know, I think it could be, uh, I think it could be a really good profile. Again, that is Sixto Sanchez going off the board at pick 128, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. The other two names that I mentioned that are going uh, within nine picks of Sixto Sanchez are Joe Musgrove and Pablo Lopez. It almost It's like a running joke at this point how much we talk about Joe Musgrove, someone who has a career ERA over four, but just continues to tantalize us at the end of seasons with these awesome runs and it was his final five starts last year for Musgrove 2.16 ERA a 13.7 K per nine has been traded from the Pittsburgh Pirates over to the San Diego Padres so he'll face some tougher competition but we'll have a, a pretty damn good defense behind him and good run support as well that's for Joe Musgrove and Pablo Lopez another pitcher for the Miami Marlins here 
who was very good in his own right last year and made some pitch mix changes, used his curveball a lot less. He used a new cutter that we never saw before. Uh, and his changeup, I remember making this comparison last year, Scott, that Pablo Lopez's changeup was kind of like a Luis Castillo light. It's a really, really, really good changeup, and he throws it about 30% of the time. So I like Pablo Lopez. I like Musgrove. I like Sixto Sanchez a little bit less than some of these other guys, but I like all of them a yeah. lot. So what do you what do you think about Musgrove and, and Pablo Lopez? Uh, I see I see limits to Lopez's ceiling. I, I wish the whiff rate was higher. You know, he's 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 pretty he's pretty good, but I don't think he gets much better from here. Um, I, I'm actually as excited about Musgrove as I've ever been because that 14.4 swinging. Per, 14.4% swinging strike rate he had last year would have been in the top 10 if he qualified. It was the same as you, Darvish. Uh, his last two starts to end the season were both double-digit strikeout efforts, efforts. He had never had one of those before ever, and he had back-to-back to end the season. He changed his pitch mix. Uh, he, he just he just looked like a different pitcher after coming off a triceps injury early on. And... Um, you know, now he now he has a great supporting cast. Something he hasn't had in a long time either. Guy who pitches deep into games, so could have a lot of win potential. I have Joe Musgrove as a breakout this season too, and um, I I think I rank Lopez higher because Lopez feels pretty safe. But I'm more excited to draft Musgrove. We're into rounds twelve and thirteen now. Kevin Gosman at pick one thirty nine, Sandy Alcantara at pick one forty seven, and Marco Gonzalez at pick one fifty one. Scott, I think a lot of people are pushing Gosman up the draft board to this point because really interesting numbers last year, 3.62 ERA, 1.11 1. whip, and a 15% mm-hmm. swinging strike rate that would have ranked seventh among starting pitchers had he qualified. Yeah, and I think Joe Musgrove, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin Gosman, Joe Musgrove, and uh, Zach Plesak, they're all emblematic. Emblematic? I'm not sure that's the right word. They're all representative of... Uh, of maybe a difference Chris and I have in our approach to uh, starting pitcher. Um, because I think what those three pitchers showed us in the very short 2020, obviously in a small sample size, is that they are capable of emulating what a difference-making starting pitcher is. I don't know if it's real either, but at least somebody showed they could do it for, you know, a two-month season, <laughs> and that's like when uh, when we're beyond the point where uh, I can for sure get that from a starting pitcher anyway, I'd, I'd rather take the shot on somebody who's shown he can maybe do it. And Gosman was somebody else like that last year. Um, never had even a strikeout per inning before. Jumped to 12 per nine last year. Uh, was Had pretty short outings early on. Uh, he was kind of eased in because of an elbow issue, but he started going six innings in September, six innings at a time. And I think he had three six inning starts. Still a great splitter. Uh, that's always been a good swing and miss pitch. He actually threw his fastball less last year, which uh, and it emphasized that splitter more. It seemed to make the fastball more effective itself. Like it's, it's hard for me to look into the numbers on Gosman and see, okay, that's why. That's what he did differently. That's why it made such a big difference. It kind of reminds me of Lance Lynn two years ago Another guy who reminds me of Lance Lynn two years ago, right? Where it's like, maybe that change in fastball usage, just that subtle difference helped every pitch play up and we saw him explode like we did. Um, I don't know. It seems we're taking a chance on Gosman at the price as my fifth starter, sixth starter. Something I like doing. 
I will say on Gosman and just pitchers that rely so heavily on their splitter, I think he threw it over 40% of the time last year. He threw the splitter, uh, well, actually, Fangraphs is 28.5%, but I think I saw on Baseball Savant that it's over 40. These pitch mix percentages are always kind of all over the place depending on where you look. But um, someone that relies so heavily on the splitter, I just worry about the consistency year over year. It just seems like some years they have their splitter and some years they don't. So um, I worry about Gosman a little bit. He's been very inconsistent in his career. We've seen some flashes, never like this, but I worry a little bit about him. Sandy Alcantara uh, and Marco Gonzalez seem like they are points league specialists. They're you know both very good in that format, Chris. Uh, would you like to add anything on those two gentlemen? Um, Marco Gonzalez is very boring, and nobody ever really wants to draft him. This is the highest his draft cost has ever been, and um, it makes me slightly less likely to draft him just because he was always someone you could get very, very late who um, has been consistently pretty good. Um, you know, an ERA of 388 or below in each of his three major league seasons. Um, I think he's fine. I or Sorry, I was looking at the wrong. Sandy Alcantara has an ERA of 388 or below in each of his ma- three major league seasons. Mark Gonzalez, it's similar. I don't know what the exact numbers are. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but I think Gonzalez is a perfectly servable guy to have on your team. And when he falls past this point is when uh, I think it makes sense to draft him. But you're never going to be thrilled that he's on your team. You're probably never going to feel too bad about it either. Uh, yeah, so for Sandy Alcantara, you mentioned, Chris, since 2018, he has a 3.69 ERA and a 131 whip. Um, he That's 45 starts during that time. He, he goes pretty deep into his starts. He went six plus in, in six of seven starts, so super small sample size from last year because they had a bunch of uh, COVID-related Things happening with the Marlins, obviously. Sandy Alcantara kind of reminds me of Kyle Hendricks. I mean, we keep making the comp, but just with more walks, I think that is pretty yeah. fair for him. Yeah, I think he he's just incredibly hard to square up. And over the last couple of seasons, he's gotten his walk rate down from you know completely unmanageable to merely bad. And I think if he keeps it in that eight to nine percent range. Sandy Alcantara will continue to be a pretty effective pitcher. And the Marlins have no problem letting him go deep into games in those starts where he's racking up a ton of weak contact. And um, he might be the one guy on the team who could reasonably throw 160 innings. Uh, Just on Marco Gonzalez, he has 36. Sorry, four ERA for Marco Gonzalez over the last three seasons, four or below. Yeah. Um, his calling card has been wins, even though he's on a terrible Marlin se- uh, Mariners team. 36 wins since the start of 2018. That's tied for third among starting pitchers. Why is that? It's because Marco Gonzalez consistently goes deep into starts. He barely walks anyone. He had seven walks uh, all of last season. So going deep definitely helps with wins. And obviously uh, in a points league, he was the eighth best starting pitcher in terms of fantasy points per game last year. Again, that is Marco Gonzalez. Just outside the top 160 picks in ADP, we see Mike Soroka at pick 161, Frankie Montas at pick 162, and Herman Marquez at pick 160. I wrote 162 again. See, I mean, I'm just losing my mind. Let's see where Marquez is actually going. 164.4. Yeah, so two picks after Frankie Montas. They're all going within uh, within five picks of each other, basically. Uh, Soroka is returning from a torn Achilles that he suffered in August, Scott, and... 
there was a report that came out just last week that he will not be back until the end of April. So how does that affect your ability to draft him in this range, in around the 160 ADP range? Well, I mean, it. it I, I would imagine his ADP has gone down since that news. It was never for sure he was going to be ready for opening day, but that pretty much ruled it out. And, um, you know, there's... There's questions as to how effective he's going to be when he gets back. Obviously, how deep the Braves will let him to pitch into games. And wasn't an open and shut case how good he was to begin with. I happen to think he's pretty good. I happen to think he's uh, Sixto Sanchez-like in, in terms of result, if not in terms of stuff. But, um, but you know, highly unproven still. So uh, while I think he's somebody worth drafting and stashing away for that first month, this seems... Seems like a high price to pay for that. I'd rather have Frankie Montas, who, you know, this time a year ago, we were considering a borderline ace. He had some some issues last year, but um, finished strong. And um, Herman Marquez maybe too, though. Like, Herman Marquez is always a tough one for me to draft because I already, I've invested a lot in my pitching staff already. And like, you just know he's going to hurt your ERA. So why would you, if if you've already made a big investment in pitching staff, why would you take somebody who you know is going to have a hard time keeping that ERA under four? Uh, the innings should be good. The strikeouts should be good. Uh, but pitching for the Rockies, obviously, Marquez is at a disadvantage. That's the thing, though. The Rockies are rebuilding. They already traded Arenado. If Marquez does get traded, I mean, where would you where would you rank Marquez if he pitched for like a completely neutral team? Like, let's say the the Nationals, like neutral park, neutral team context. He might be like a top 25 starting pitcher, right? My first instinct was to say top 30, but I think that's a fair range, right? Probably around Wheeler and Jose Barrios. I think he'd be better than those guys on a per inning basis, and I'm not sure they're necessarily safer. Like he really... He's missed very few starts over the, the last four seasons. He made 29, 33, 28, and 13. He huh. might be a top 25 starter. I, I think I think it's hard to say how good a Rockies pitcher could be outside of cores because his pitches would play differently sure. on top of everything else. Yep. Uh, you know, it could only help, obviously, but it could help even beyond what we're imagining. It's a big yeah, if he, him getting he, traded, though. I mean, he's, he's cost-controlled for... He, I think he's actually signed to a long-term deal, so... Um, you know, big F, but it's possible. Three, three more years, two more years after this one with a team option. So, but yeah, he has a 351 career ERA on the road. Yeah, that's 5.10 at home in Coors Field. So, yeah, I think if you, I've never drafted Herman Marquez. I'm probably more likely to do it this year than ever before. He actually goes deep into his starts, six plus in, in 10 of 13 starts. And he had one dreadful start at home where he allowed 10 earned runs against the Astros. If you take that start away, this is like slippery slope analysis. I realize that, but you take that start away. He had a 2.83 ERA in his other 12 starts. So I, I think Herman I, I just hate that the strikeouts have fallen the past two years. That's yeah. part of it too. Like yeah. it's not, can't even count on him for a strikeout per inning. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to swallow the ERA too. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on Frankie Montas? He is going 60 picks later than he was this time last year. And it was a really weird season for him in 2020 following the PED suspension that uh, that he had in 2019. First four starts, 1.57 ERA, 
He suffered a back injury. He got scratched from a start. His next six, he had a 10.88 ERA over a six-start stretch. And then his final start, six innings, two runs, 13 strikeouts against the Mariners. So <laughs> with all that, where where are we at now with Montas? Yeah, and I, I think the velocity went down. Um, yeah, it peaked back up towards the end of the season. So, you know, I think that's something where you can look at the the injury. He's still got, um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of look at it like, why would I draft Kevin Gosman if I can get Frankie Montas, what, 30 picks later, however much it is? Um, I just, I think that makes a little more sense. I think they're similar pitchers. Um, they're both very dependent on one outlier pitch, uh, which is the splitter in both cases. But Montas, you know, didn't really throw it all that much last season. So I think there's room for him to improve on that as well. Yeah, and he has a few other pitches he can rely on. He has a slider, which is decent. He has a, a four-seam fastball and a sinker that he uses two different fastballs. So Yeah, the splitter is the strikeout pitch. If he has the splitter going and he's throwing it like 25% of the time, he can be a, a K-plus per inning guy. Scott's laughing over there. What are you laughing at, Scott? You guys are stressing me out. <laughs> you guys are stressing me out. We're taking so long to talk about everybody. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's keep moving then. Scott, you're right. You're right. Yeah, look, keep me uh, keep me in check here. I start rubbing my forehead like this. That's what that means. Okay. All right. I'll pay attention. <laughs> Round 14, we have three more names. Dustin May at pick 165. Corey Kluber at pick 166. And David Price, my man, David Price at pick 168. Corey Kluber, let's just talk about this rise in ADP because it's getting pretty crazy. His ADP back in December, I was doing some NFBC drafts. His ADP was outside the top 250. The man is now up to pick 166. Is this really all Yankee driven? Because (laughs) he has more run support, but he pitches in a worse park now. And he has to go to Camden and he has to go to Fenway and he has to go to Dunedin, which apparently is a better hitters park than Buffalo. And Corey Kluber is turning 35 on April 10th, and he's pitched 36 and two-thirds innings over the past two seasons. I have no idea what's going on, Scott, and I really don't want to get involved. I mean, I don't I don't really care about any of the division park factor stuff. Like, either Corey Kluber still got it or he doesn't. And I think this is an appropriate place to gamble on him potentially still having it. I mean, it's not like we've seen him drop off. Yes, he had that one rough April two years ago when, like half the aces in the league had a terrible April because uh, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances there. And then he got hurt and he missed the whole year. He basically missed all of last year. And we, we really don't know what we're getting into with Corey Kluber, but we know the last time we saw him for an extended period of time, he was still contending for a Cy Young award and has a long history of doing that. Clearly the Yankees are, um, you know, hoping they bought low on him and it, I think this is an appropriate buy low point in the draft too. Like I would, like I've been saying with most of these pitchers, I mean, the, uh, the only guys who really matter anymore are the ones who can at least look like an ace most of the time. And Corey Kluber, I mean, he would seem to fit the bill if he's right. If he's not, you drop him, you move on. I think this is a fine point to take back gamble though. It's a total unknown is, you know, it, I was making the case for him last year, and then he missed most of the season with a shoulder injury. That's where I, I get more skeptical. But I, I agree, the risk is relatively low. Um, the price is fine. I would rather have price. 
<laughs> uh, let's talk about the two Dodgers in this range, Dustin May and David Price, on two completely different ends of the spectrum. Dustin May is young, and he's exciting. Is he, though? I mean, 8.5% career swinging strike rate, pitches a lot to contact. So I think he's fun to watch, Dustin May, but... I mean, in terms of how fantasy relevant he is, I think he's overrated quite a bit. Uh, David Price, another old, you know, older pitcher, 35 years old, did not pitch last season because he opted out uh, with the uh, with the COVID season there. Last time we saw David Price was back in 2019, 4.28 ERA, 131 WHIP. Uh, you know, those surface numbers are not very good, but 10.7 K per nine was a career high. And his swinging strike rate was over 11%, which and is solid. the numbers were better than the, the, he pitched better than his final numbers because he had a blow up uh, against the Yankees. Well, he had two starts where he only went uh, two innings total between them. One, he got thrown out of the game, I think, for throwing at the Astros, maybe. I don't know. He only pitched point two innings, but he threw 15 pitches and it wasn't like he was getting hit hard. Uh, then the, he had a blow-up game against the Rangers where he only threw one and one-third uh, as well. Through July 14th, he made 17 starts with a 316 ERA uh, with only a 310 BABIP, so it wasn't really uh, luck-driven. And then over his last six starts, he allowed 20 runs um, in, I don't know, 22 innings or something like that. Uh, but he was dealing with a cyst in his wrist that basically ended his season. Um, and he started complaining about it right around where that 17th start happened. So, uh, you know, we haven't seen him pitch since then, but it wasn't a structural issue. It was, you know, not a muscular thing or a, uh, a bone thing. <laughs> I think if he can get back to, if he's healthy, I, I think he's probably going to be pretty good. Again, that is David Price, who has an ADP at 168. And thankfully, he doesn't have to face the Yankees anymore because this guy, a 5.04 ERA in his career against them, that's 259 innings. So pretty big sample size of David Price stinking up the joint against the New York Yankees. Just outside the top 170 picks, we see Chris Bassett at pick 171, Tristan McKenzie at 173, and Dallas Keuchel at 177. Scott, I think we were talking off the air last week where you mentioned Chris Bassett is one of your more obvious busts this season. Yeah, I think people just look at the... I mean, obviously, he was an impactful pitcher in fantasy last year. You just look at the fact he went five and two had a two twenty nine ERA, but Bassett Bassett was one of the biggest ERA overachievers of any pitcher last year, uh, and you know that's true whether you look at xERA or what I prefer xFIP compared to that two twenty nine ERA that he had. He had a four forty nine xFIP. Not a great strikeout pitcher. Um, not a big ground ball pitcher just kind of average as far as that goes you know not not even really like a standout control pitcher chris bassett so like doesn't go deep into games yeah yeah well he yeah i mean other he, he started to a little later into last year but there there's not there's certainly not a history of that yeah i think he'll probably keep the era under four just because he pitches in a big ballpark and you know we have seen him do that before last year um but he's not going to be contending for an ERA title. And because he's a non-strikeout pitcher, an ERA around four, it's really not worth that much. I mean, there are much more exciting pitchers going after Chris Bassett. It's pretty Mike Fiersy. I will just mm. say regarding Bassett, 
he has this Marco Estrada thing going on. This is always the example I use. Marco Estrada for years found ways to be fantasy relevant when his XFIP and his FIP and his Sierra were all much higher than his ERA. So he would just always find a way to outperform his peripheral numbers. Say what you want about Bassett, 4.59 career XFIP, but 3.59 ERA. So he finds a way to get it done. Maybe it's because he pitches in the yeah, big ballpark he'll, in Oakland. He could, he'll probably be a borderline fantasy contributor, but it's just it's just like way too high for that. And, and it's I do sort of, settle for that, you know. It's sort of similar to Marco Estrada. Like he does get a decent amount of infield fly balls. Uh, Marco Estrada was an extreme fly ball pitcher who had a fifteen percent infield fly ball rate. Bassett more of an average across the board batted ball rate, thirty six percent compared to forty nine percent for Estrada. He does have a 13% infield fly ball rate, but uh, I, I don't think that helps explain it all. I, I think there has been a good deal of luck for him, whereas I do think Marco Estrada, there was there was some skill there. Chris, I believe you had Tristan McKenzie as either your sleeper or breakout for part one of our starting pitcher preview. <laughs> all the way back then. So uh, remind people quickly why, why you like him. Uh, he's got the pedigree. He's got... Um, good minor league numbers and he was really good in his first taste of the majors despite going uh 357 days now whatever that plus 365 is he went almost two years uh without making a start in a competitive game so you know i think you look at what he did in the majors after that time off i'm not sure he'll be in the opening day rotation but um he should get his opportunity before long pitchers always do uh Nobody stays, not every pitcher stays effective or healthy. Someone's going to falter for Cleveland and he'll get a chance. And I think he'll be very good when he does. Yeah. Tristan McKenzie. I really like the skills. He suppressed hard contact just 28% of the time. Uh, and he had a 12.4% swinging strike rate. So some interesting skills there from Tristan McKenzie last season, uh, Dallas Keuchel, the ADP 177. I don't think anyone's really excited to draft Dallas Keuchel, Scott, but he's kind of like Marco gonzalez with more walks. Yeah, I mean, I, he kept the ERA way down last year, but I, I don't think anybody's counting on an ERA that low over a larger sample. I do like him more than like Chris Bassett because I think there's less that can go wrong for Keuchel than there is for Bassett, uh, just because that ground ball rate is still off the charts. I mean, only so much damage can be done on a guy who's giving up that many ground balls. But Keuchel's not somebody I'm ever excited to draft. It's more like... Uh, I, I, I clearly messed up starting pitcher and at least this guy late will give me some quality innings, you know? Yeah. Keiko kind of reinvented himself a little bit last year too. He threw his sinker a lot less than ever before. As a result, the ground ball rate actually went down a little bit, but more cutters and more changeups than ever before. It really, really helped Keiko uh, suppress hard contact. So that... I found interesting from last season for him. We're now into round 16 and 17. Shohei Otani at pick 184, who of course has starting pitcher and utility eligibility on CBS. Aaron Savale at pick 187. Tyler Malley at 193. And Andrew Heaney at 197. Otani, Savale, Malley, and Heaney. What do you think about this? Oh, Scott is excited. He is not. Oh, there's up some good stuff here. There's these, these are the guys you pass over Bassett and Keiko for. Yeah. And, I would say that for virtually all of them, I mean, Otani, every report we get, and he's throwing harder, 97. I think the latest had him hitting 100. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, when he was when we last saw him healthy, he looked like uh, he was showing ace potential. Uh, yeah. Wasn't many starts, but obviously that was what he was billed as being. And now 
more time back from Tommy John's surgery. It's worth the gamble again at this price, I think. Now, Savali and Mally, I want to say Avali and Mali because that's what it looks like, but Savali and Tyler Mally, um, it's interesting how I think the fantasy baseball community as a whole probably likes Savali more as a sleeper. I don't really see the upside argument for Savali. It's it's a profile that looks a lot like Chris Bassett to me, actually. Not many ground balls, not not, a, not great swing and miss ability. Uh, the XFIP and XCRA were both very high last year. Tyler Malley, though. I, I like Tyler Malley a lot. We saw his uh, K per nine... His swinging strike rate both jumped to elite levels last year because he finally developed a secondary pitch, a slider, to go with that fastball. That was always been great. He's always just tried to live off that fastball, and it would kill him the third time through the order last year. Tyler Malley, last year with that slider, not only did he see the, the, the strikeout numbers go up, third time through the order, hitters were two for 31 off him. 2019, hitters the third time through the order had an OPS over 1,000 <laughs> against Tyler Malley. Uh, and, and we saw him start to go deep into games toward the end of last year. Some six-inning starts, some seven-inning starts. The Reds can trust him to do that now because he has more than just the really good fastball. Tyler Malley's a breakout candidate for me. Yep, he's in my breakouts column as well. Very excited about Tyler Malley. I actually went back about a month ago and I watched his last couple of starts, the, specifically the start against the White Sox. Five and two-thirds, one run, eight strikeouts. He made Jose Abreu, who won the MVP, look foolish quite a few times in that start. So Tyler Malley, definitely interested in him there. And Aaron Savale, I liked him last year. I'm buying back in. It was, his first six starts were great last year for Savale, and then, and then he fell off the face of the earth. First six starts, 3.15 ERA. Final six starts for Savale, 6.62. I'm, I'm trusting the magical mound out there in Cleveland, and <laughs> he throws like five different pitches at least 9% of the time. He has a deep repertoire. And I I was reading this story just before we started, actually, from Cleveland.com. Savale told reporters last week that he refined his mechanics in the offseason, shortening his arm path and sharpening his changeup. Francona said the changes allow him to achieve better balance and to be on time where his arm is catching up with the rest of his body. Quote, his stuff is deceivingly really good, and anybody who knows him knows he doesn't back down from a challenge. He's not scared, Francona said. We think the kid's ceiling is maybe a little higher than people who don't know him. So I'm <laughs> buying in. Chris, anything that you would like to add on Otani, Savale, Mali, and Heaney? Because it is a very interesting group. Yeah, I need to move Otani way back up my rankings. Um, he might end up in my top 45 at starting pitcher uh, at this pace. You know, if he's throwing 100 miles an hour, you look at his baseball savant page and I mean, it's red all over from his 28 season, the only 2018 season. The only thing that he wasn't basically elite at was control. And that probably won't be an issue for him if he's right. Um, you know, I think there were a couple of high walk starts and then obviously, you know, I think he got hurt, tried to pitch through it. Um, I think Otani still has absolutely ace potential. There's going to be innings limits and there's going to be limits to his utilization in a six-man rotation, but that will be true of a lot of pitchers. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to start getting excited about Shohei Otani again. And I, I'll... What the heck? I, I'll be that guy. 
Aaron Savale has the exact same strikeout rate in his career as Zach Plezak. He has a yes. lower walk rate. He has a lower home run rate. Yes. Uh, he gets more ground balls. Yes. His ERA in the minors was .010 runs lower, higher. What have than, you done for me lately, Chris? Right. That's Savale it. It's stunk just, in 2020. It's just Zach confir- confirmation bias. was almost as good as Shane Bieber. And yes. <laughs> Zach, please, Zach didn't have the six starts where he pitched poorly because he only made eight starts. If, if Aaron Savale's season ended after eight Aaron starts, Savale didn't make if Aaron St- Savale's season ended after eight starts, he would have had pretty good numbers. Yeah, his final numbers, he finished with a 4.74 ERA, really inflated. But there were signs. I looked at Savale's numbers after those six starts, and I was saying, this does not look right to me. And then he fell. Well, the however many starts it was. Yeah. I'm just no. saying. I didn't like Savale even when he was going If well. I'm just saying, if, as a mental exercise, we pretend history started before 2020, Aaron Savale and Zach Plezak look like the Spider-Man meme. Okay. And there was more hype about around Savale last year this time than there was well, around Plesak. Yeah, because Plesak was really bad in I don't know why that's a useful exercise <laughs> to say, well, I wish I was point, in a coma for all of 2020 well, and I just 20, woke up well, thinking no, no, Savale and Plesak were the exactly thing. the no, same. No, no, you're, you're reading it entirely backwards. I didn't say ignore 2020. I said okay. take their entire careers into account, including the minors and okay. 2019 and the majors. Doesn't seem like as useful an exercise to me either, but that Fair enough. All right. I say bye, Savali. Factual things. Chris says bye, Savali. Scott, not so much. I do just want to quickly remote that Fantasy Baseball Today in Five, our new podcast. Yes. It's us, just in five minutes or less. You will hear us every single day. It's very similar to what Adam and the guys did with Fantasy Football Today in Five. Basically, whatever we talk about here on this podcast, more often than not, maybe we'll include some news items as well. Uh, We will turn into a five minute podcast. As well, So make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Again, that's Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and leave an Apple Podcast review. We appreciate it. And speaking of Apple Podcast reviews, throw one, a five-star one for this podcast as well. Ask us a question. We will continue to do Saturday mailbags as long as there is demand for it. And I have a feeling there will be because we are getting a ton of questions. So email us fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. And leave a five-star Apple podcast rating for this podcast and drop a, a question in the review. And we will answer it on our Saturday mailbag. If you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we'll be back with more ADP here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. 
Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, so now we move into pick 200 and beyond. Jose Urquidy at 200 of the Houston Astros. Zach Eflin with the Phillies at pick 201. Marcus Stroman returns to the New York Mets at pick 202. Jamison Tyone now with the Yankees at pick 204. And Eduardo Rodriguez, who missed the entire 2020 season with COVID complications. He actually wound up with, I believe it was a heart issue as a result of it. Uh, he's going at pick 205. So between Urquidy, Eflin, Stroman, Tyone, and Eduardo Rodriguez, your favorite or favorites here, Scott? Tyone, pretty easily. He's, uh, you know, the, the the Pirates had that trio of elite pitching prospects that included Garrett Cole and Tyler Glass now, and Tyone was the third one. The first two underwhelmed in Pittsburgh. They left Pittsburgh. They changed their arsenals. Less sinker focus, more four-seamer and breaking ball. And they became studs or at least borderline stud in Glasnow's case. And Tyone, we're, we're hopeful the same thing happens to him. And, and it sounds like he's implementing those same changes. Uh, De-emphasizing the sinker, going with more of a four-seamer breaking ball approach shut up his strikeout potential. There is the added compl- complication for Tyone. He's coming off his second Tommy John surgery, and that's that's always a challenge. Um, but reports out of Yankees camp are good, and I think the price is right. Yep, Jameson Tyone, if you remember back in entering the 2019 season, his ADP was inside the top 70. His ADP was actually 65. So this is Tyone is a pitcher that we were excited about. I remember it was the season before in 2018 where he started using that slider more. Um, and he's, he's talk, talked about changing up his mechanics as well to help keep his arm and his elbow in particular healthy. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, definitely someone to watch. I believe today when you're hearing this, Monday, March 1st, Jamison Tyone will make his Yankees debut in spring training. So definitely something to pay attention to there. Chris, between Urquidy, Eflin, Stroman, Tyone, Erod, anything that you'd like to add? I know Eno Saris over at The Athletic absolutely loves Jose Urquidy, and we haven't really talked much about him. So, Yeah, that definitely makes me uh, more interested in him. Uh, according to um, Eno's like stuff and control metrics, Jose Urquidy is a real standout according to those two. You know, it's not a guarantee. He does give up a lot of fly balls. He always has. Um, but his minor league track record suggests that there's more strikeout potential than he's shown so far. Um, so I, I think Jose Arquiti in this range is a perfectly fine uh, gamble. I think Marcus Stroman is... I don't see why you would rather have Dallas Keuchel than Marcus Stroman at this point. I, I think they're they're probably going to be very similar pitchers. So give me the one that's going a little later. And Erod, I think, is better, uh, you know, assuming he's able to make it through the season without complications and he's been medically cleared. So you you assume uh, that, you know, it should be OK. I, I think 200th overall is a really good draft price for him. He's 
Uh, got a 381 ERA between 2018 and 2019. There are always some control issues. There are always some workload uh, issues. He doesn't necessarily pitch super deep into games all that consistently, but uh, 378 FIP to back that up. Um, whip's not going to be great, but at this point in the draft, if you can get a guy uh, who will strike out you know, almost 10 per nine with a high three ZRA, that's a pretty good value. I, ha- I have to ask, none of us are buying Eflin and his 10.7K per nine last year, right? Because it certainly stands out when you're just sorting uh, by that he, leaderboard. He is another guy who does really well by the stuff and command uh, profile metrics. Um, I like him. You like Eflin? I, I mean, Eflin? I don't love him, but I, I like him. I, I think the 10.68K per nine from last year is, is fluky based on the swinging strike rate. Yes, his swinging strike rate was up, but it's not like it was yeah. awesome or anything. He made some changes to the pitch mix. He uses curveball more than ever before, threw it about 13% of the time. Uh, but all of his underlying metrics really lined up with Zach Eflin's numbers as well. I mean, 323 XFIP, 350 Sierra. It's pretty interesting. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, they're, they're buying. You, you know, just by virtue of how those stats are calculated, they're taking the 10.7 K per nine at face value. Yeah. And I'm just not, I just don't think I, the swinging strike rate, I think was not that different for Zach Eflin last year. Right. Than in previous years. Yeah. It, it was uh, better than it was in 2019, but it was this basically exactly where it was at back in 2018. I think it could yeah. be maybe a strikeout per inning high threes ERA, which is, you know, what you basically just said about Eduardo Rodriguez, so maybe they're not dissimilar, but F1 has my attention a little bit in this range. Uh, the next group of five, Christian Javier going at pick 206, Tony Gonsolin at pick 212, Zach Davies at 215, Chris Sale at 219, and Nate Pearson at pick 220. Uh, Scott, this group is really all over the place. Christian Javier's numbers were so weird from last <laughs> year. His minor league track record is great, but... Uh, his numbers last year were weird. Tony Gonsolin, we don't know if he has a job, uh, but uh-huh. he is someone that I, if, if I can handcuff him with a Dodgers pitcher, which is something like we've never said before in fantasy baseball, I think yeah. I, I think I would look into doing it because I think the upside is is real for Tony Gonsolin. I love drafting Con, uh, Gonsolin, especially in categories leagues. Uh, like he seems to be falling a lot more than Dustin May, at least in my experience. With you know the likelihood neither is in the rotation to begin the season, but also like I'm still betting on both of them making 15 to 20 starts this year, and likely performing well out of the bullpen in between. Then, so in categories league, especially, they're probably still going to be somebody you want in your lineup and and have stretches where they're they're great. Um, so I, I think it's a good time to buy on both, especially Gonsolin, who has a superior strikeout ability. I, I do think Christian Javier, um, I, I've called Dylan Moore the most interesting player in fantasy this year. I think Javier might be the most interesting pitcher because nothing about his stat line really makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and yet the minor league track record is very strong. Like he's a guy who basically just throws a fastball and slider and the fastball a ton, but it's like multiple different variations of the same fastball. And it just seems to really prevent hitters from squaring up the ball. You look at, you know, he had a 486 XFIP last year, Javier, compared to that 348 ERA, uh, you know, less than a strikeout per inning. Fly ball pitcher, so a lot of home runs. I could see things going very, very wrong for Javier this year. But I, fortunately, I think it's already baked into the cost. I, I don't think anybody's 
paying face value for his numbers the way I feared they would coming into draft prep season. Zach Davies is really boring, but he was really good last year. 2.73 ERA, a 107 whip. The underlying numbers don't necessarily buy it, but uh, he made real changes to his pitch mix. Uh, Zach Davies did last season. He threw his fastball, which is not a good fastball. It's 88 miles per hour. He threw it less than ever before. He used his cutter and his changeup more than ever. So just pay attention in a points league. I think Zach Davies could be serviceable as the right in, in the right streaming context in the National League Central as a two-star pitcher. Uh, he's better in a points league. Chris, when it comes to Chris Sale, he had Tommy John surgery last year back in March. And I, I think we're expecting him maybe in June or July. Uh, is this enough of a discount where you'd be looking to stash him. I think in a keeper league where you can kind of keep him this year and kind of have him for that round value the next year, I'd be very interested in stashing someone like Chris Hale. Yeah. I mean, he is, you know, he'll be a 32 year old, 33 year old by the time we get to 2022 coming off Tommy John surgery. Um, And, you know, the velocity was down in 2019 and it was just a weird season, but yeah, I think drafting him, you know, with the hope that you get something out of him in the second half of the season makes a lot of sense. I just don't know why you would do that 70 picks ahead of where Luis Severino tends to go. I, I don't know why yeah. you would do it. I, I don't know why you would draft Noah Syndergaard 40 picks ahead of where Luis Severino. Right. I, I, I agree. I, I feel understand. like Severino should be the first of the three Tommy John, the big name Tommy yeah. John recoverers. He should be the first one taken and he's the last for some reason. Yeah, so I don't... I mean, Justin Verlander's way later, but, you know, he's probably not going to pitch oh, yeah, much. Yeah, this I was just... Um, you know, Verlander's not going to be back this year, but between but, Cindergaard, Sale, and Severino, feels like yeah. Severino should be the first off the board. Yeah, yeah. Severino, and I, I, you know, I think Chris Sale will probably be better than Severino and especially Cindergaard, but I'm not sure, you know? he that, that was a weird... 2019 was a weird season, and... He's had a lot of elbow issues over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, maybe it's starting to catch up to him. So I would rather have Severino than Sale for uh, 2020 and probably 2021 because he's younger. Um, and then I'll just point out, just to go back to Gonsolin, you know, you could draft Trevor Bauer in the second, Kershaw in the third, Arias in the 10th, Dustin May in the 14th, David Price in the 15th, Tony Gonsolin in the 18th you're probably going to get like a three ERA 10 K per nine and a one whip out of those guys over, you know what? 700 innings. Like I, I I think this is a viable strategy pretty much every year because the, I think Walker Bueller is kind of the exception where I just think he's being overvalued, but as a whole, the Dodgers pitchers have more value if you have them all on your roster than any individual one may have it's you know you might not want to have both Dustin May or Tony Tony Gonsolin on your team at the same time but it's a viable strategy especially if you've got you know more than four or five bench spots um, because they all you know outside of Bauer and Kershaw they all cost so little Scott is smiling I think that means that it's time to move on um, that's fine I think he's just a <laughs> he little makes this point every year and I <laughs> That's fine. Let's move on. Just outside the top 220 picks, we see Sean Manaya at pick 224, Michael Pineda at 227, John Means Business at 234, mm-hmm. Nathan Avaldi yeah. at 238, and Quang Hyun Kim at 239. Chris, who is your favorite from this group? Manaya, Pineda, 
means Avaldi and Kim. You can say nobody. I yeah, I guess like I like means Pineda and, and Avaldi kind of all similarly. So any any one of those three I think are perfectly fine in the you know we're talking about the seventeenth or eighteenth round range. Uh, I have no problem with them. I don't quite get Shamanaya uh, being up here. There are still a lot of pitchers with upside going after him, and uh, he pretty much proved last season that what he did at the end of 2019 wasn't real. I feel like I have to give my John's, John Means spiel again for the pitcher preview, right? Or did I already talk about him in... Breakout. I think he was. I think I already talked about him. Yeah, I think you you yeah. talked about him as a breakout. I mean, if you want to remind, so go people. go listen to starting <laughs> pitchers part one. You'll hear how much I like John Means, but but you see how late he's going. I mean, he's practically yeah. free at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem like there's much downside to taking a shot on the upside. I also like the value of Michael Pineda, who you talked about as your sleeper and starting pitchers. The the starting pitchers part one, Frank. Um, just. You know, he, he's, he's a nice high floor play this late, who you know is going to give you innings, you know, an okay strikeout total, good whip, okay ERA. Like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a fine option for your pitching staff here. But if you're shooting for upside, means is the way I'd go. I think people have fatigue when it comes to Michael Pineda and Nathan Avaldi, but they've both been pretty good. Pineda, 31 starts since 2019. He's allowed three earned runs or less in 26 of those. So, by definition, he is a quality pitcher and Nate Evaldi last year just had the highest strikeout rate and lowest walk rate of his career. So maybe you don't buy it in the shortened season, but at 22.6% K minus walk percentage that would have ranked top 12 among qualified starting pitchers. And he was hitting hundred miles per hour today. He he came out yeah. firing. He throws start spring training. Nate Evaldi. five different pitches, deep arsenal, he was pretty good last year. I, I, I like Nate Evaldi in this range. Uh, we are now into round 21 and beyond. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who spoke a little bit about at pick 244. Eliezer Hernandez at 247. Ryan Yarbrough at 253. Domingo Herman at 262. And Robbie Ray at 264. Starting to get excited about Eliezer Hernandez, who I've been excited about in the past. Um, last year, he only ended up making six starts. The season was ended by injury, but 11.9 K per nine in those six starts. He gets a lot of whiffs on his slider earlier in his career. Um, unless this is just bad data, he used to throw a change up a decent amount too, and get a good whiff rate with it as well. And then just kind of shied away from it became a two pitch pitcher. He had an okay whiff rate on the changeup, I guess. Uh, he's, he's working to develop the changeup again. He's, he's, going to try to be a three-pitch pitcher with the explicit goal of pitching deeper into games. So if he can take the strikeout potential he showed last year and he showed in his minor league career, guy with very good minor league numbers, Eliezer Hernandez is a nice little sleeper too, especially for as late as he's going. Yeah, um, I'm not just saying this because Chris is here. I actually like all the Marlins pitchers. It's a good park to pitch in, and they've all shown a decent amount of upside as well. So... Between Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez, uh, Trevor Rogers, not so much, but those first I like four. Trevor Rogers. Oh, Chrissy. And that's not just like a Marlins thing. Yeah. I like Trevor Rogers. Uh, uh, a lot of people seem to like Trevor Rogers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he has underrated strikeout ability too. That's It's basically just a, a strikeout upside play. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Eliezer Hernandez, like, 
I think if you want five and a half strikeouts and four and a half innings per start, I think he can probably give you that. <laughs> I, um, I, I just, I'm that, not, if he gets that third pitch, maybe he yeah, can have I mean, some look, six innings done. It can happen, but like, yeah. I think either way, this season, like, that's not, uh, that's not really a knock on him. I think he's not going to pitch deep into games, but I think he'll be pretty good when he does. I would say the same thing about Ryan Yarbrough at pick 253. I think. He's pretty good when he actually does pitch. Last year, among starting pitchers with at least 50 innings pitched, Ryan Yarbrough had a 40% O-swing. That was tied for first with Kenta Maeda. He had a 13.3% swinging strike rate. That would have ranked 17th. And a 25% hard contact rate. That would have been sixth best among starting pitchers. So Ryan Yarbrough, I think, is interesting as well. Scott, anything to see here with Robbie Ray at this point or pass? No, let's move on. Not much hope left. (laughs) All right. Let's get into rounds 23 and beyond. Madison Bumgarner at pick 265. Casey Mize at pick 273. Matthew Boyd at 275. Davey Garcia at 278. Luis Severino at 282. And Adam Wainwright at pick 289. Bumgarner, Mize, Boyd, Davey Garcia, Severino, Wainwright. This is quite the mix of young potential and old yuck. What the heck are we doing? (laughs) Um, Who do you guys like from this group? I I did like Davey Garcia, but when I thought he had a rotation spot for the Yankees, and maybe he still will, but it it seems like it's going to be either him or Domingo Herman, and it seems like Herman has the leg up in that. So we'll see. We'll see. But I I was impressed by how much control Garcia exhibited upon reaching the major, like elite strike percentage not strikeout but strike percentage for a guy who's shown huge strikeout potential in the minors uh so you know efficient he was working deep into games for the yankees and i think it'd be a big winner for them whenever he does get his chance and would just love to watch a guy who's five nine and and get strikeouts (laughs) like he does like that's just that's a fun profile um i'm a little surprised adam wainwright is like like what's the difference between adam wainwright and like chris bassett i know adam wainwright's really old but (laughs) like he's coming off a what 305 ERA? He was really good last season. Obviously, I don't think he's going to do that again, but um, career best swinging strike rate for Adam Wainwright last yeah, year. How about I think that? He's, I think he's going to be fine. Like, I don't think you're yeah. ever going to be super excited about Adam Wainwright, but you probably won't like hate him. I, I think he'll probably <laughs> put up a low fours ERA. And, and he, he's somebody play. I find I'm drafting in like really deep leagues, yeah. Adam Wainwright, just because nobody wants. I don't, I'm surprised his ADP is this high, frankly, because I. I've never seen anybody draft him but me. (laughs) Feels like he goes later. Um, And uh, Casey Mize. I will, like, if everything goes right, his profile is kind of like a diet Max Scherzer. I don't think he will be that good, although we are talking about one of the most hyped pitching prospects in baseball over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, that power power pitcher profile... um, you know, I think he could be really good. I think all three of those Tigers prospects, Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal, and uh, Casey Mize are great late round uh, reserve why, round guys. Why is Mize going this high? Why is he the 82nd pitcher drafted and Tariq Skubal's 113th? Isn't Skubal looked better last year? Skubal seems to have the leg up in a rotation battle. I'm not really sure what that's all about. I'd much rather have Skubal. Um, I, I think yeah. the ADP is getting pretty weird in this range, quite frankly. Yeah, no, it yeah. definitely is because when you're looking at fantasy pros, Tariq Skubal's actual average of the three, he he doesn't have a listed ADP on ESPN or Yahoo, but his average on the sites that he does have an ADP is 307. 
And yeah. so it is like he's going 113th among pitchers, but it's, you know, at this I, point, ADP doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think we should just pick out interesting pitchers to talk about here because it's, you're yeah. right, it doesn't really matter. James Paxton is 300th, the 300th player off the board yeah, on average. I feel like that's going up, right? That's another one where, um, oh, where's he actually, what's his actual, yeah, this is just all, it's all weird at this point because he's actually being drafted 226th. It's another oh, right. one where it's just you're saying some some sites they don't have ADP data for him at all, so that drags yeah, down the that drags ADP. it down. Yeah, um, so uh, but, really, it looks like Paxton's going between 200th and 250th, which yeah. is about where, um, which is like fun. Eliezer Hernandez, Nathan Avaldi were going. Yeah, did I? And that's it. Seems fine. I, I'm, I'm neither excited fun, nor like mad about that 80 but you're, you're, it's it's kind of it's kind of another Corey kluber like gamble except maybe the upside isn't quite as high for paxton uh, i will just bring up jordan montgomery with the yankees too we spoke about davy garcia and mm-hmm. uh domingo herman a little bit his surface numbers were not good last year 511 era for montgomery but a 12.9 percent swinging strike rate over a strikeout per inning and under two walks per nine those those are pretty good skill numbers for jordan montgomery I like uh, Brady Singer at his cost, too. I, I think there's a pretty high floor there. Um, he actually really just focused on two pitches down the stretch last year because he was able to tunnel them well, um, which means uh, they, they looked similar coming out of the hand. And his production went way up when he did that, Singer did. Um, you know, I don't think there's a high ceiling there, but I, I think there is a high floor. I think he'll pitch pretty deep into games with an at least acceptable strikeout rate. Uh, do we do we want to just go like back and forth on just like naming interesting sure. pitchers for the last like three or four minutes? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Who you got, Chris? Uh, Carlos Martinez. He's like way off radars this season. His ADP is three seventy two. Um, I know the last two seasons have kind of been lost for him, but you know we we are talking about a guy who was consistently being drafted as a top fifteen, stop, top twenty starting pitcher. Uh, not that long ago, and shockingly, he's kind of the anti-Carlos Carrasco. He's only 29. I kind of was just assumed he was the same age as Carlos Carrasco or something similar. So, um, you know, Carlos Martinez, there's a chance he finds it. Um, so, you know, I don't want it, I don't want people to literally forget about him. I will bring up uh, Dane Dunning, who went to the Texas Rangers in the you love Lance. your Rangers. In yeah, of course, watch. Don't make me go get the hat. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Dane Dunning um, came over in the Lance Lynn trade and he was pretty good last year. 3.97 ERA, 112 whip. And uh, his first three starts in particular, the swinging strike rate was very high, 17.5% when he was using his slider more. Again, this is Dane Dunning. Uh, and then they really, that dropped over the final four starts. And, and Scott, I remember we kind of... Um, we were skeptical, uh, wondering, like, did they tell him to pitch to contact more because he stopped using his slider as much? So uh, I think if if Dane Dunning uses that pitch, he can get a good amount of strikeouts, maybe a strikeout per inning. So I'm pretty interested mm-hmm. in Dane Dunning. Uh, I do want to go into more detail on Scoobol because he he's another, I, I guess it's kind of like I was saying for Tyler Malley early, a guy with a great fastball. Uh, his minor league numbers are ridiculous, just like Malley's were excellent too. Um Somebody who, if you know, if he develops his secondary arsenal, you could see him taking off. He worked out with driveline baseball this offseason. Tariq Scoople did, and he worked to develop a splitter that uh, 
it's earning some rave reviews in Tiger's camp. So that might be that might be the pitch that puts Scoople over the top. And, you know, obviously very low cost here. Chris, you're up. Brad Keller. He is only 25 years old, which frankly shocked me. He was someone who I just assumed yeah. he was 27 like or 28 <laughs> when he came up. Yeah. Um, but like has been weirdly effective. He has a 350 ERA for his career. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, and that's always going to um, you know, limit the fantasy appeal. But he's had a, a better than average ERA in each of his three major league seasons. He has been, again, this is another guy very good at limiting hard contact so far in his career. Um, and he he there's a quote from him where he basically said they forced me to throw my change up a few times last season and I didn't really have the feel for it. But then I looked and saw the results were pretty good and he only threw 17 of them. So it's a very small sample size, but um, you know, that could be something that he feels more confident in this season. He's already talking about and could make him a a better pitcher. He's had some, uh, you know, he's been less effective against lefties than, than righties. And if he can, you know, be a little more effective with both. I think Brad Keller can be a, a decent fantasy option. Sorry, Scott. I got so many more pitchers to talk about. Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so I haven't mentioned Griffin Canning, who I think I mentioned in part one as, as my sleeper pitcher. Um, once he, once he got comfortable throwing that slider again, he had developed a curveball too. And, and the swinging strikes, the strikeouts went way up toward the end of the season. Drew Smiley, has a rotation spot for the Braves. Among pitchers with five or more starts last year, he actually had the highest K per nine rate. It was better than Shane Bieber's. Very small sample, but his velocity was up by like two to three miles per hour last year. And so, you know, we'll see if he can sustain that over an extended stretch, but uh, doesn't cost much, obviously. Um, Obviously... uh, there are a lot of prospects we could get into that tend to go late in drafts, like Mackenzie Gore, Spencer Howard, oh, uh, Spencer Mitch Howard. Keller, ex-prospect. Um, they they all still have a chance of breaking through, obviously. But one who doesn't get as much attention is Adbert Alzali. Yes, Tell and us, now he's fighting for a rotation spot for the Cubs because they added so much, so many low end guys uh, toward the end of the off season. But he's gonna he's gonna get his chance sooner than later, and he added a slider last year that became his best swing and miss pitch. And uh, the little bit he pitched for the Cubs down the stretch last year, he was he was racking up strikeouts in a way we didn't think he could. So Alzali is somebody who could see his value skyrocket this year. Mitch Keller, uh, I I know I was high on Mitch Keller last year, and that didn't go well. He had more walks than strikeouts, but. Uh, he was clearly not healthy early on, and I'm not sure he was ever really right. Um, his velocity was down 92, 93 miles per hour. His first couple of starts, he missed a month and a half with an oblique strain, came back, and just didn't have his control. So I, I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give him a pass. There's still potential there. Control had never really been an issue for him. Uh, so Mitch Keller, I like him. And um, I find myself drafting Garrett Richards late. Uh in a few places he's with Boston and he's always usually pretty effective. Yep. Again, that is uh, Garrett Richards who is now with the Boston Red Sox. I will mention TJ Antone, who is someone I wrote about on the site. He's in my sleepers 2.0 article and he's in a uh, position battle for the, the SP five 
role with the Cincinnati Reds along with uh, Michael Lorenzen and Jose De Leon. But uh, Antone was really good last year. 2.80 ERA, 1.02 whip. And he's part of like the Cincinnati revolution with the Cincinnati Reds where like his fastball spin rate was in the 98th percentile. His curve spin rate was in the 95th percentile. 13% swinging strike rate. Uh, again, the name is TJ Antone. If he doesn't win a rotation spot, he, he might compete for their closer job. So I'm just... I'm interested in taking shots on him very late in drafts. And the other name I'll mention is Justice Sheffield, who used to have some prospect yeah. pedigree. I think he has two plus pitches in the slider and the changeup. The swinging strike rate came down last year for him, but uh, he started throwing the sinker last season, pitched the contact a little bit more. It helped him get a lot of ground balls. But I think based on how good that slider and changeup is, I think the swinging strikes can make a bit of a bounce back here for Justice Sheffield. Anyone else? I want to mention Carlos Rodon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll keep, eye, I'll keep an eye on, on Carlos Rodon and um, God, we're, oh Alex Wood. Uh, he's one of the rare Sparps who, you know, pitching in San Francisco, you know, it, it's possible he could be a, a useful head-to-head points league guy. The, the Giants the, made Gosman good last year too, and I mean they've been doing well with starting pitchers. So yeah, yeah, I've heard some hype about Anthony Desclafani's changeup. Mm-hmm. They're definitely guys to keep an eye on, uh, but one who I think is going to be drafted in a fair number of leagues and was mentioned in the chat here, Tanner... Um, Tanner Houck. T- Tanner Houck. Thank <laughs> you. I always lose confidence when I get to say his last name. Tanner Houck of the Red Sox. I, I put him 100th in my top 100 prospects because I'm, I'm, I'm just intrigued enough that I don't want people to forget about him. Slider earned a 65 grade from Baseball America this year. That, that means it's an elite pitch. He throws it about 35% of the time. You know, throwing a really good pitch a lot has been a great formula for for a lot of pitchers in this league who, who didn't look like they'd be stars. And, and then they, they broke through and became much more than we thought they'd be. Hauk allowed six hits in 17 innings in his three starts in the majors last year. Struck out 21. Not saying... I'm super excited about him. I like somebody like Adbert Alzali more, but I'm saying there's a chance for Tanner Houck, and we shouldn't forget about him. So you're saying there's a chance for one Tanner exactly. Houck with the Boston Red Sox. All right. I think we did it. That was a lot of pitchers in a lot of time, but tomorrow we will have relief pitchers, I hope. <laughs> for Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. Make sure to subscribe to Fantasy Baseball today in five as well. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.